This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It is the story that prompted widespread horror and so much anger when we heard about it last week. Story of a young Indigenous girl in government care who was reporting a sexual assault back in 2012. And rather than being supported or even being told what her rights were, and plus she was a minor here, instead she was treated as a liar. And the RCMP have really been under fire for this. And is it no wonder? Just have a listen. And again, some listener discretion here. It, it is. It can be quite disturbing to listen to, but have a listen to what this girl went through. Were you at all turned on during this at all, no. even a little bit? No. Physically, you weren't at all responsive to his advances, even maybe... Um, Subconsciously? Maybe subconsciously, but no, not. I was really scared. Okay. Because you understand that when a guy tries to have sex with a female and the female is completely unwilling, it's very difficult, right? Yeah, yeah, it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot? At the beginning? For the whole thing. Is part of the reason you came up with this in the first place and told us about and told your foster dad about this is because you were scared you might be pregnant and you needed the pill? No, it was more because I just got taken advantage of and I didn't consent to it. I was just really scared at the time. I don't want you to lie. I want no lies. I'm not lying, though. I didn't consent to this. You know, every time I hear that, I just, my blood starts to boil. And in the days since APTN has made this story public, there has been an outpouring of reaction anger at how this girl was treated and support for her story. Now she is speaking out and she's talking to Holly Moore, the producer of the APTN Investigate series that first brought you this story. And Holly is with us to talk more about what has happened since. Holly, thanks so much for being back with us. Hi there. Hi. So this was back in 2012. What is life like for this young woman now? Well, I was honored to go out, and uh, so I went out to Kelowna. I just got back today, uh, spoke with the young woman. You know, she's completely uh, overwhelmed by the attention, of course, and this story has had reaction all across the country from survivors, politicians, you know, other media have picked this up. So, you know, she's really overwhelmed. Um, And one of the first questions that I asked her were around, you know, what is your reaction to to looking at that interview today. So she's probably the best person to answer that, so maybe we'll go to a clip from her there. Five minutes into the interview, I could tell that the police officer was accusing me. Back then, I had no idea that my rights were being violated. And now, as a parent, knowing my rights, sitting on the other side watching, it's so hard to watch because the questions are just disgusting. I felt like I had nobody there. And it was hard because most kids have their parents, but being in foster care, I had none of that at all. And the social worker that came with me was not supportive. Holly, what has life been like for her in the seven years since then? Yeah, it's it's been traumatic. I mean, like a number of Indigenous young women in this country, there's trauma layered on trauma. So uh, she was left homeless. She was exposed to drugs like MDMA. Uh, you know, she 
couch surfed for a little while. She certainly got things together now. She is married. Uh, she has a child. I won't say the age of the child just because of her identity. You know, but this experience has been incredibly overwhelming. And one of the things that she said to me in the interview was that when she was working with a trauma specialist, the trauma specialist said, you know, you've had a lot of trauma, but this interview is the peak of that trauma. So when they had to go back and see kind of how severe her uh, post-traumatic stress disorder had become, this is the moment. Uh, You know, so she's confronting that. She's confronting the fact that she will live with mental illness for her entire life. Uh, She's confronting the fact that she, you know, will always need to um, watch out for herself. And the worst thing is that she's really doubted her ability as a parent. Mm. So she's taking parenting classes. She's trying to do the best for her little family. And, you know, it, it just, it's just remarkable to listen to somebody who's been through this level of trauma. And yeah. what, so she's getting help now, I understand, right? From what, yeah. what you said, yeah. she's getting, she's in therapy. Mm-hmm. Well, she's, she's in intensive therapy. So the province is uh, currently paying for a very expensive uh, trauma specialist who's taking her through all of these traumas in her life, uh, you know, and and really, she's accessing services now that are going to set her up to be able to face whatever is coming. And so. was that available to her now because of the lawsuit? I'm not sure. I think likely that they acted um, when they understood how bad it actually was. But I don't have information to suggest right. that it was from the lawsuit. Yeah. I'm sure this last week, though, has been one of a lot of awareness for her as well, since her story kind of became known and people are hearing that video. What has that been like for her? Well, you know, let's take a listen to what she told me um, about watching all the comments and all the news stories. Because of my story, other people have come forward with their stories, and it's horrifying, but we as Indigenous people are slowly taking it back, and that makes me proud. I just want to let people know that I do see your positive words in the comments, and I do hear your stories, and every story breaks my heart. It helps me today, knowing that people actually believe me, what happened. And that 17-year-old me craved that so bad, and now I have that validation, and it means a lot. Oh, it sounds like she got really emotional there, Holly, and who can blame her? This must, this whole thing, watching this unfold nationally, it must be some a little bit more trauma for her as well. It is, and and so that's why, you know, that clip, I, uh, she actually, like, in the clip, she puts her head in her hands, right? Uh. Uh, she breaks down completely, and, you know, I've been a journalist for a very long time, but both myself and the camera person were, we had tears in our eyes, too, because it's, you know, it's like watching the weight of this just kind of come down on her. And really, all it does is makes us more determined to go after the ministry, which is ultimately responsible for this young woman ending up in the RCMP station in the first place, and really just kind of galvanized us to try to go looking for some answers on what happened. The RCMP has given us a very short statement around, uh, you know, there being a more fulsome discovery as the civil case goes on. Uh, But really, I think that what hasn't been done is a really hard pressing of the province. 
how did this happen? Mm-hmm. How did that girl show up there in the first place? And really, what has been the consequences of that, right? Because a lot of people didn't do their jobs there. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, the accountability, we know that the province works very closely with RCMP. We know that there's liaison between the two departments. So let's examine that relationship and see what kind of damage is being done to Indigenous children in this country. And really, hopefully, this lawsuit will bear that out. Is there, do you think, some positive to come out of all of this, Holly? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the fact that this interview surfaced in the first place is is very good because according to the victim, you know, it really validates the fact that she had said that she was punished for making this complaint. And so the fact it surfaced and that people can look at it and pick it apart, that's fantastic. Uh, it validates her. But also I think that it, it gives voice to what Indigenous women have been saying in this country for decades. When we go to police to report sexual assaults, this is how we're treated. And certainly the reaction from the Indigenous community has been total outrage. And so I think that's very positive. And when you say punished, that she was punished for this, you mean that literally as well, right? Because wasn't she forced to write letters of apology? She was. Uh, she was forced to write letters of apology. She was had her phone taken away. Uh, she had been attending an Okanagan First Nation culture club that was run by an elder that was really putting her in touch with her culture. And uh, she was not allowed to go to that any longer. I confirmed that with the coordinator of the club. Uh, She was also not allowed to go to Sweat Lodge. Uh, So, I mean, it had a resounding effect on her social life and support. And does she, well, it's amazing then that she can feel that there is also some positive coming out of all this. And still no word from, Holly, the RCMP on this, like really directly addressing what happened here. No, uh, no, I, you know, I was in Kelowna yesterday and a rally was held by members of the spot scene and Okanagan Nations. And so I went into the RCMP detachment to speak to somebody, left a message for the media person, and he wrote back uh, shortly after saying that they aren't entertaining any interviews to do with this situation. Did they use that word, not entertaining any interviews? Yep, yep. Wow, okay. Uh, Holly, thanks so much for the update on this, and we hope to talk to you again. Okay, thanks so much. That is Holly Moore, the producer of the APTN Investigate series. And of course, the APTN Network has done amazing work on this particular story.